Hey guys, this is Crazy Juicy Love Entrepreneurial Series. I'm going to be talking with top CEOs, creators, top entrepreneurs, and they're going to be sharing their mistakes, tools, tips, and insights to get you to get out of your bed and have a career that you love. This is Crazy Juicy Love Entrepreneurial Series. All right, guys, I'm so excited to have this incredible man in front of me on the Crazy Juicy Love podcast. He's my first guest for the entrepreneurial series, Mr. Anthony Delgado, the creative of Disrupt, Disrupt Nation, Disrupt Week. And I am just so thrilled to have Anthony Delgado in my presence. Welcome, Anthony. Jimmy, thank you so much for, for having me on, brother. Uh, I'm, I, I'm glad to have you. But I, I do want to go a little bit personal in the beginning of how we met and how this whole podcast, you know, uh, started. You know, I remember when I first met you in our, you know, our landmark, my, our landmark course. And I was like, who is this guy? It's like causing trouble. Like you're just being that dis- disruptive. Person. Being very disruptive. Yeah, <laughs> I know you were. <laughs> you know, and I was just like, I my my opinion of you was like, this dude needs to, to, to shut up and do the damn work. And why has he got to have an opinion? And why has he got to do all this? And you know, I could be honest with you. Like you know, since we've gotten to know each other, that was I guess for me. I don't know if I was very confronted, but like it, something in me was very challenged by who you were being uh, around, and I didn't know why. And so it wasn't too. I started to like initiate conversation with you, and like, oh, like this is who this guy is. You know, this person who is out to change the world and really know who he is as a person, and really just so grounded and not just going to say yes to anything um and you know just who you are and what you're creating in the world especially with being in puerto rico when i really love that about you you're just a a go-getter and just not a person who's just talking about you just like i am the example Definitely. Well, I think one thing about me is, and it does take a lot of people uh, off guard. <laughs> and over the years, I've, I've tried to, uh, you know, I don't want to say tone it down, but I've tried to, you know, manage it. But the thing about me is, I just want to make the world better. I want to make things better. So when I see problems, I attack them, and I don't only attack them in others; I attack them in myself. Right. So constantly throughout my life, um, I've always, you know, found where can I improve? Where can I improve? How can how can things be better? How can I, you know, improve my health? How can I improve my education? How can I improve, uh, you know, my living situation? How can I live my best life? Right? right. How can I have the best relationship that I can? And the problem with that is everyone is <laughs> not trying to do that. Nope. <laughs> I've gone into organizations where like I've worked and you know, the first thing I'm doing is no, this is broken. That's broken. Why are we still doing it this way? Let's change this. And 
you know, a lot of times change is good. Sometimes it needs to be ushered in slowly. Um, and then sometimes there's there's reasons why things are the way they are. And maybe there are reasons that I don't know, right? right. So uh, the same way how I'm kind of quick to admit uh, faults or when I see things that I think might be broken, I'm quick to speak up. I'm also quick to... Uh, to shut up and listen like i'll still give you i'll I'll call you out on something but then if you have a reason i'm quick to be quiet and actually listen to someone else's point of view i actually interviewed a 17 year old kid yesterday and after i was done i realized how much i was listening and how many people who you know i'm 33 many people who are older than this kid probably even 25 they might say oh this kid's 17 you know what the hell is they would have shut him down like they would already place him in a bubble and say he doesn't know what he's talking about because he's 17. exactly exactly and and so you know it, it is a balance between you know listening and um and working with others and realizing that you know maybe everybody doesn't want to work 90 100 hours a day you know right. and that's that's okay and they, those people can they, they can live their lives the way that they want to live their lives right um but uh but yeah definitely disruptive that's the reason my company's name <laughs> i'm also curious about something too um you know you know, we've talked too about, you know, where I am as a coach in, in the very beginning when you were living in New York. And matter of fact, we're doing this podcast. I'm in New York and Anthony's calling me from Puerto Rico. So that's really cool thing about being doing this podcast. But I remember that day you called me and you were like, Jimmy, I love what you're doing. Let's go. So I'm curious what motivated you just to pick up the phone and call me that day. Well, I mean, I think it's that same uh the same sentiment that i was talking about in the beginning like i'm quick to see the full potential in people and ideas and projects and what they're working on and when someone's not taking what they're doing to the full potential maybe it's because they don't know right Right. you you know they talk about this in landmark you don't know what you don't know right so for me i look at what you were doing i was like yeah you need a podcast you need a freaking retreat you need to do this love retreat and (laughs) you know what i mean because for me like i see you and i i see your greatness and i see your full potential Mm. and my first reaction is you know how can i how can i work with this person even if it's a five minute conversation how can i work with this person to help them reach the next level um and I realized this probably about three years ago. Um, you know, I, I think I've been doing this for a long time, but but three years ago, it really, really hit me um, at Founders. So, so Founders is uh, my my former uh, my former company, and we did this great meetup. There's all these entrepreneurs there, and uh, I spoke to a girl, and she was telling me about her business. She had a, a business where they give samples. Uh, at like Costco and stuff like that, like food samples. Mm-hmm. And uh, Boar's Head was her biggest contract. And but she was doing everything herself, like everything, everything, everything in herself. And she couldn't scale. And she was working a job. And I was like, no, you need to quit your job. You need to focus on this Boar's Head account. You need to get more accounts. And you need to hire some some people. And you need to go on uh, Craigslist or go on the job boards in uh, the universities. And you need to hire some people. Right? Ten minute conversation. She comes back three months later. I quit my job. I took your advice. I quit my job. I hired people. And I'm like, holy shit. I just talked to her for five minutes. And she, she like, was able to benefit from that conversation. Um, So, like, I had realized it then about three years ago now. 
And yeah, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't bite my tongue. I try to be uh, cautious with my words. There's a lot of times where I come off very aggressive. Um, so, you know, over the years I've, I've tried to adjust the way I approach situations, you know, asking permission, um, in, in founders, a lot of those situations, those people are asking for mentorships. They want it. Yeah. You know, the guy who's working in, uh, in Starbucks, he may or may not want my advice. Right. So I, I've learned when to keep my advice to myself and when to give it, um, and, and to ask for permission and things of that nature. Um, but yeah, man, if I can, if I can work with, with someone, um, for, for 30 minutes uh, a week and have a huge impact on their life and their business, I mean, nothing else would make me happier. Right. And that's basically what Disrupt does is disrupting their norm of what they're doing in their business and really turning them inside out to make them this high performance company in the world. Definitely, definitely. So um, I could just read you uh, our, we have like five characteristics um, of a disruptor. Um, So one is influence, uh, being someone who challenges the status quo and creates Mm -hmm. shifts in our culture. More than just how many followers you have on social media, you'll learn how to use your digital voice to create Mm -hmm. change in the universe and then inspire other people to do the same. Um, So again, like we talk about influence, like what is an influencer? The governor of New York is way more influential, Cuomo is way more influential than uh, a lot of the people that are probably listening to to my podcast. (laughs) Right. And yet he only has like 500 followers on on instagram because he doesn't need followers on social media to be influential um and and a dm from him is going to um warrant people to make moves and people to make changes in the universe so people think like oh influence is like how many followers you have likes views comments all that bullshit that's not what it's about right. it's about how can you use the power of online to set an example um, I actually took a screenshot. I, I'm going to post it probably later today. Um, my mom looked at me doing my weight loss journey that I just started. And she replied and was like, oh, I think you inspired me. Now I'm walking. Now I'm running. Now I'm da 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 Yeah. And I was like, that's the influence that I want. Yes. You know what I mean? If I, Fuck if the whole world. No, if, if I can inspire my mom to live longer, that's the type of influence yeah. that I want. And I, and I love that, you know, and... You know, and since I've, you know, one, developed my friendship for you, with you, and seeing you, <laughs> you, you you have been a very good influence on me. And, you know, since I've been changing my Instagram and, you know, and changing, doing the podcast, you know, just last week, my barber, <laughs> he was like, you know, I've been following you and what you've been saying has really helped me with my relationship with my girlfriend. And I was just like really moved because I know we've we've been, you know, developing a relationship. He's an entrepreneur and I would love to get him on the show as well. You know, he's from Puerto Rico um, and, you know, he wants to influence young men. And, you know, I've been coaching him on the side, basically, as he gives me a haircut. You know, uh, I've been giving him coaching lessons and, you know, and, and then he hit a wall recently with his new current girlfriend. I said, you know, you have a pattern, like you haven't really healed that relationship that you broke up with your baby mom. Now you're bringing that same thing in your relationship. And he really got it. And he reached out to me for coaching. Like he was like, hey, you know, I think me and my girlfriend might need to see you because everything you're saying is really hitting me. Um, And, you know, that's 
what you know by you influencing me and me and that has influenced other people to really look at themselves and become better men better women and better you know parents in, in their relationships so i thank you for like <laughs> giving me that little nudge because that's happening for people in the world but continue yeah, definitely yeah no so we have we have a couple other uh like it's like our five brand values or characteristics um one of them is leadership uh impact being someone who creates a significant impact in the world uh legacy leaving something behind after you're gone uh but the last one the one that i wanted to touch on is something we call disruption so mm-hmm. it's someone who has the courage to interpret injustices in the world and use technology innovation and entrepreneurship to create new markets and influence old ones right mm-hmm. um so uh, again you know you're a love coach you help people with their relationships if the best way to deliver that is through a podcast, maybe that's a new way to deliver it that you never thought of. Right. You know, if the best way to, uh, you know, everybody else, you know, I think like a shrink, you know, everyone else who's doing coaching and mentoring, you know, they're doing it in some weird fancy office. Maybe you're doing it in a WeWork. Maybe you have a WeWork subscription and the closest we work to that person in the city is the one where they meet you and then you right. get a conference room and they get that same experience, but now it's like crowdsourced, right? So whatever that is, um, looking for new ways, having the courage to yeah. interpret injustice, having the courage to call it out because so many people, they don't raise their hand. How many times when you were a kid in grade school did the teacher make a mistake and no one is... Uh, has the courage to raise their hand and, and correct Call the teacher. Them. I know. Uh, you know, it does take great courage, you know, um, and that brings me to when I was when I was an actor. Um, I was a lead in a film, and the director was 45 minutes late to the set. And I was so pissed. And this is a paid gig, and I might not shoot me pissed, you know, or whatever, but I, it was something in me that was like, I'm going to be on the set for two weeks. This is not how, this is not what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. And he, when everybody finally showed up, he was saying, uh, hey guys, are, are, you, are you guys ready to start? And I said, um, I said, uh, are you going to apologize for being late? I was ready to start four, 45 <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, I was like, right. And I was like, are you going to apologize to be late? Because like, if this is going to be how it is, then we need to have a conversation. He lo- he gave me this look, and the whole <laughs> the whole set got quiet. And he he's, he he motioned for me to come over, and I said yes. He gave me a hug. He was like, "Thank you for calling me out." Um, he was like, "From this day forward, I would not be late." And he wasn't. He was on time all the time. And like he pulled for everybody else. Like everybody else had to be on time. And he respected me. He pulled me aside again <laughs> saying that. And because I, I I was ready. Like I'm here. I have like 60 pages of remember. And like time is money. Money is time. Like what are we doing here? You know what I mean? It does take great courage. And I was coaching a guy today. It's the willingness to have courage to say, to want to honor yourself and respect your boundaries, because otherwise you will not have the breakthrough in your life if you don't say anything, you know? Um, and sometimes it's a it's a tough role, especially as an entrepreneur. You know, I'm, I'm curious about you being an entrepreneur. Like, how do you handle 
saying the thing that needs to be said to the people you're working around because it can be very uncomfortable. How do you be get comfortable? Or do you get comfortable with, with saying the thing that needs to be said? Worried about like pissing someone off? Like, how do you deal with <laughs> those moments? So there's a there's a funny. Uh, tip that I've had multiple business owners uh, tell me, like mentors and owners of companies, and it, they call it a, a like a shit sandwich. Okay. <laughs> so a sandwich has two pieces of bread, and then it has something in the middle. So what you do is you start with a compliment, mm-hmm. you hit them with the criticism, and then you end with another compliment. Um. As soon as you start giving someone a compliment, their guard goes down, they start listening, they're open to what you're saying. Mm. So if, let's say, I I was going to call you out, Jimmy, I would be like, Jimmy, you're an amazing person. This podcast is so great. You're, You're making such a huge impact in the world. And... It would be really great if you fix the audio and fix the lighting and fix whatever the criticism is, right? Um, and keep up the good work and you and you know keep making an impact on the world, right? Whatever that is. Mm. So, you, so you you lead with with positivity. You give them the criticism and then you end with positivity, right? And, and as that's and I don't practice that as much as I should <laughs> when when I remember or when it's something really hard. Uh, that's coming up i'll remember it and and you know or at at a bare minimum lead with a compliment you know lead with a compliment then go into the criticism um and go into whatever that conversation of criticism is um that's that's a a trick that that a few mentors have taught me and i want to point out something that's really key to what you were saying like you used the word and because when you use the when people there's a I, I learned this too, like, don't say but, say and, because but, when people associate with, uh-oh, here comes the negative or the thing that, you know. Or he didn't really mean the compliment. Right, exactly. So but when you use and, it's an addition to, not like a negation. It's something that, it's an opportunity, not like a failure. Um, so I, re- I really love that, what you just said. Uh, I definitely got to... Um, um, use that <laughs> in my coaching and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, talk to me like about. Oh, how- and real, real quick, what you were talking about um, the uh, in relationships too. Mm-hmm. I find it harder. So I'm actually like kind of ruthless when it comes to the company, like because it's work, right? It's business. Mm-hmm. So I don't care. <laughs> uh, but like in relationships, it's, you know, sometimes it's harder, especially in the beginning, right? Um, and I feel like that's when relationships go out of hand mm-hmm. because you you don't say something, you don't say something, you don't say something. And then by the time you do, the other person's like, dude, this is how what I always do. What do you mean? What do you right. mean I'm 10 minutes late? I'm always 10 minutes late for your call or whatever. Um, and you know, that actually happened to me, uh, recently, you know, uh, a girl said, okay, I'm going to call you at 10. And right. then, so I left out of the gym early. I made sure that like, I was home at 10 to talk to her. And then I hit her up at 10. Oh, I'm still out. Da, 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 da. And she didn't end up calling me till like an hour, hour and a half later. Ugh. And I, I didn't, I brushed my teeth. I went to sleep. So she called me, but I was sleeping. And so the next day I told her, okay, we have to talk. And it wasn't comfortable. It was very uncomfortable. But I told her, I was like, listen, 
I'm a very high performance person. So are you. My time is very valuable. So is yours. And when you tell me that you're going to call me at 10 and I'm waiting for you, it doesn't make you me feel like you're valuing my time. Mm. That's it. And I tried really hard not to make it wrong. Tried really hard not to turn it into an argument, which I was successful. It didn't turn into an argument. But at least you received the communication. Right. You know? And the thing is, with relationships, there's always that thing. It could be something sexual. It could be something uh, spiritual. It could be something in conversation. It could be something when you're out in public. Whatever those things are that are bothering you, you need to just communicate them. You know, and communicate them in a way that it doesn't turn into a fight. Communicate it in a way that the other person receives uh, the communication that you're giving them. Right. And even it's, even in a tone of your voice right now, you know, you're not very charged by but, you know, and it's it, it, it lands well when you say one and and the tonality of your voice really has, you know, that you took this personally and you took that you don't take this lightly and you don't want to make the same mistakes either because this is this is one of the things i find that stops entrepreneurs you know the lack of value of time and people's time and being on time and submitting things on time you know i had you know i work with two guys and i they still haven't sent me my send me the bio and I'm like, we're here working. And when are you going to send it to me? Like, they don't understand that this is the very thing. And I see them online. I see them, what they're doing. And it's the very thing that's stopping them, that they don't have a relationship to their word, that it matters, that what they say they're going to do matters. So what, for you, what would have you say no or yes to working with someone um, in this, this sort of level that you're at right now? Um, so working with people, yeah. Um, yeah, integrity is, is huge, right? Like doing what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things uh, for me is, is who you are, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and what, where your values lie. Uh, so last night I was talking to an individual that he wants to go into business with me and he started his business and he found a client and it was a very high profile client and he basically provided the services for free for that client. Mm. And he did it because he was like, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to leverage the fact that I worked with this high profile client to then work with more clients. Right. And that's how I'm going to start my business. So that's how he started his business. And then he went into um, working with other clients, other clients, other clients. And then he started doing favors. And I just saw from him telling his story that he was the type of person that he's playing the long game. Right. He's not all about the transaction. In, in this world, so many people, they're all about like the, the 30 second transaction. Right. Like, yeah. what are you doing for me lately? What did you do for me? today mm -hmm. right and the people who are about the transaction those are the people that i try to really 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 avoid because if you can't see that there's a bigger picture in this world like i have um you know business relationships that i curated five or ten years ago and now they're coming to harvest right like so it's really business is all about planting seeds you know the customer that you tell off because you can't um control your attitude or your anger right 
that could have been the customer that refers you, even if they're a small customer, they could have been the one that refers you to mm. some bigger account, right? So anyone who's really playing the long game, anyone who's focused on relationships, anyone who's focused on becoming the best version of themselves, right? Like I can't stand laziness. Um, I was telling this <laughs> to you, um, laziness and excuses. Excuses is, um, I have no time for excuses. Um, you know, I'm, I'm came from a single mother home. Uh, my father was in jail since I was like a little kid. Um, I'm a convicted felon. I've fucking been to jail. I had like fucked up life. I was at gun gunpoint when I was 16. Like mad fucked up shit happened when I was younger. And I if I didn't let any of that shit stop me, and I was able to fucking take my career to the next level. I was able to come out with a fucking ankle bracelet out of fucking prison and go and get a corporate job and get a better job than fucking people that don't have a record. Like, I hate it when people complain. Like, bro, you don't even have a fucking record. You don't have a fucking mm -hmm. record. I'd be working for fucking NASA if I didn't have a record. Like, like fuck you. So, like, I really, I have very low tolerance for, for excuses and for people complaining. You live in America. You don't live in Afghanistan. You have a blue passport. You can go anywhere right. in the world. Mm -hmm. Like, like we're so, 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 so privileged. You have the internet. Like, we're so, 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 so privileged. Um, and that's a big kick uh, of why I'm down here in Puerto Rico because people in Puerto Rico are privileged, but I, a lot of them don't know it. Um, mm. Is kind of like a third world country, even though it's not. Right. It, it kind of, it's really country out here. They speak a different language than the people in the United States. Um, it, you know, even though 35 percent of the population is bilingual, but um, <clears throat> but a lot of them don't realize. Dude, you have a blue passport. You can go anywhere in the world. You have the internet. You have all the opportunities. You can go to Harvard University if you want. You can go, you know, work at comp with New York companies if you want. You don't need a visa or a passport or a green card or anything, right? So um, my big kick is letting the people down here know that, hey, you have unlimited uh, opportunities. And I, I was speaking to uh, two university kids that I mentor, and I was telling them, I was like, dude, you... Even if you get a job making $3 an hour or $5 an hour, $7 an hour or nothing, you need to do your best. What you're getting paid is not a determinant of how hard you should work. It's mm. actually the opposite. What, how hard you should work is a determinant on you. That's your reward. Right. Right. If I let's say I go and I'm I, and I have an internship, like 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 I said, I, I went and I worked a corporate job, um, but but you know they started me off at like fourteen dollars an hour. I wasn't making shit in the beginning, and I didn't use that as an excuse to not work hard. I worked even harder, and because of that, I was involved in very high level deals. I was able to get promoted numerous times. I was mm. able to get numerous raises, but forget the money. I was invited to freaking uh, corporate parties and, and networking with uh, top CEOs of all the companies in New York City. Wow. And that was because I worked my face off. And there were other people in my same department that they didn't get invited to those parties because wow. they weren't working at my level. I mean, I really, really, really love what you're saying because, you know, I find, you know, I have a, you know, part-time job and I see people go to like these catering events and they don't work as hard. And when I became a coach, when I, when I realized that this is what I was meant to do, I literally like saw all the things that 
in my life led up to this moment and all the things that I've been working hard in those moments, even a catering job, learning how to manage events, learning how to manage manage people, knowing how to put a schedule together, knowing how to see who's good and what feel like all that was informing me to what I'm doing right now. And I just couldn't believe it. Like what you're saying is really like every opportunity, no matter how small, is informing you of what you're going to be doing later. Because I'm sure you probably can look back to all those moments that are that prepared you for what you're doing right now. Mm -hmm. Whether it's another job or whether it's entrepreneurship or whether it's both, right? Right. When you go to the next job, I want to go to the next job and say, yeah, I worked on a $900,000 deal. Right. And why am I working on that deal? Because I worked my fucking face off. Right. You know, it doesn't matter how much I'm getting paid. But the, the experience is the payment. Right. And, and the other thing is, how old are you, Jimmy? Uh, 40. <laughs> 40. Great. Yeah. Great number. Amazing number. You know you're going to die, right? Yes, I know I'm going to die. And you know you're not going to get another 40. This I know I'm not going to get another 40. <laughs> right. One, you got 140. 140. Right? So why not make that the best 40 right. ever? Why be mediocre? Right. Why not... Do, fucking blow it out of the park because you're going to be 41 and you're going to look at 40 and, oh, I should have worked harder but I know that but why do entrepreneurs or people and this is going back to my other question that I wanted to ask you like you know what well, well one what was the moment for you like going through all that with the record and all the stuff with your past what was the moment for you that said this is not going to be my life this is this when is I where I want to go when I was in jail the whole time I was in jail, I read tons of books. I was like, yeah, this is a mistake. I'm going to correct this mistake. This is never going to happen again. That I'm My freedom is never going to be in someone else's custody. No one is ever going to tell me when to eat, where to eat. No one is mm. ever going to tell me when I can go outside. No, this is not going to happen. So for the year and a half that I was in prison, I read tons of books. I read 48 Laws of Power. I read The Four Agreements. Wow. I, um, and it was actually, it's a funny story. So, um... I I was running an online business at the time when it, while when, you were in jail. <laughs> what? Yes. Well, before I was in jail, and then when I got locked up, I, I was doing Google advertising. Google sent me checks my entire bid. The entire really? time I was in jail, Google was sending <laughs> me money. So I was I was jail rich. I had all the money I want. So I would like have magazines. I would check off all the books I wanted. Wow. Um, like food, whatever. Like. Whatever, it's not, I don't want to make it sound like it was luxurious, but I was privileged enough that Google sent me money my entire trip. So the entire trip, I was freaking reading personal development books. I read uh, Russell Simmons' autobiography, which uh, he talks about that too, um, uh, about, about showing up and being the best version of yourself, even if you have a shitty job. Um, and yeah, and that I was like, listen, this is not, this is not my, even before that, I had like already made the shift. Um, uh, I'll try to give you like the short version of the story. So I was like selling weed and shit, selling pot. And then um, also I was uh, running a business. So I was like running an online business, selling stuff on eBay and Amazon. And like for me, selling pot was just like another thing that I sold. <laughs> it was like another <laughs> profit and loss, right? <laughs> and then like I kept getting fucking like arrested and like stupid shit. And I was just like, this doesn't make sense. Like as a business model, this is like a bad business model. It's expensive and the, the ROI isn't there. It's, it's like, this is stupid. <laughs> and so, so I stopped selling pot and, um, and then I opened the clothing store and I had, had my clothing store. And then one day they sent an undercover cop into my clothing store and he asked me, where can he buy some pot? 
So I gave him a friend's phone number. And literally uh, six months later, I got charged with conspiracy. The guy was wow. walking around the neighborhood for six months, going to every barber shop, every, every corner, everywhere that he could go and saying, hey, do you know where I can get some pot? You know where I can get some pot? You know where I can get some pot? And or ecstasy or whatever the fuck uh, he was trying to buy. And yeah, and then every single person that had a conversation with him uh, was was charged with either conspiracy or distribution or whatever. Um, so yeah, so even though I had, at that point, I was about 21, at that point I had already changed my life and decided I'm not gonna sell pot, this is a bad ROI, I can make more money selling other things. Um, <laughs> I still I still got caught up and then, then when they looked at my record, they were like, no, this is a, you know, this is what you do. Um, and yeah, and then I actually went on the run. So I was on the run for five years. Um, wow. Yeah, so for five years, I lived in New York. Um, I lived a very honest life because I didn't want to freaking go to jail. Um, and yeah, and then after five years, uh, I, I got picked up. But during that five years, it was amazing. I learned to code. I was a digital nomad on the run. I was a digital nomad with a warrant. <laughs> so like, I learned to code, and, and uh, I started multiple online businesses. And, um, and then, like I said, even when I got arrested, um, Google was still sending me money. <laughs> Google and and uh, info info links, and I had a couple of like residual online uh, revenue streams that were still coming in. So the whole time I was locked up, I was making money. Um, and then when I came home, one of my clients, I was running a digital agency uh, at the time as well, and one of my clients, you know, we helped him become a, a multimillionaire. So he wow. came to the trial uh, when they were releasing me on. Uh, parole and because there's like usually they release everybody but like there's a 50 50 chance or whatever that they might tell you to go home uh to to not get released so he showed up and he vouched for me and it was like the second he's free i'm going to give him a job and he sent it showed up and he vouched for me super grateful for him wow. uh, it was really just him and my mom the only people that that uh showed up and uh, and then when I got out of the courtroom, he literally opened his wallet, grabbed all the money that he could, that, that was in it and just gave it to me. He was like, here you go, bro, welcome home. And like, call me wow. next week. And, and I worked with him for, for the first couple of months when I came home. Wow. Wow, I I just had no idea about all this about you. Yeah, Holy no, I don't, I don't tell this story that much. So you got the exclusive, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really appreciate you sharing. Um, yes, yeah, so so I worked with him for um, for a little while, and then um, uh, her, the hurricane Sandy happened, and mm -hmm. that really like affected the business negatively. They they lost millions of dollars worth of merchandise with the flood, and so I got like laid off, and then. My parole officer was like, yeah, you got to get a job. I was like, all right, cool. Well, don't worry. I'm going to find one. And like everyone else is working at Starbucks, is working at fucking Dunkin' Donuts and like all these terrible jobs. And me, I took it upon myself to make sure I wasn't going to work a normal job. It's like, if I'm going to work a job, I'm going to make sure that I'm learning and that I'm in the, the tech field that I want to be in. Um, so I, I got a, a job at an IT uh, consulting company. And while I was there, we worked with companies like uh, Armani Exchange, uh, LG Electronics, uh, Whole Foods, like, like a lot of really, really big name companies. And I learned corporate IT and, and corporate tech. Um, and I'm, I'm super, super grateful. You, you know, the owner of that company's name is Bob Pullman. And super, super grateful for that, for that opportunity. And, and I took it as a learning experience. And I didn't care that I was only making $14 an hour in the beginning. You know, I didn't care. I went in and I gave it my all and I sweated it out. 
And while I was there, I got an education. I mean, every single opportunity that I've had, whether it was in jail reading books, whether it was working a 14 hour an hour job at an IT company, like answering the phone, um, I took it as an education. And because of that, when it was time to go to a gala, when it's time to go to an event, I was the one that was getting pulled off of the phones and going to those events. When it was time to go to a data center uh, until 2 a.m. in the morning and work on really big projects, I was the one that they chose out of everyone else. Because everyone else, as soon as it was 5 a.m., uh, 5 p.m., they're running out the door. Oh, 5 p.m., whoop! And I was the one there working late until 7 p.m. every night. You know, um, because I wanted to become the best version of myself and use it as an education. You know, you, you keep repeating something that's over and over again. And I find also that stops entrepreneurs that they stop learning. And that seems to be very, very important to you. So why is that important as an entrepreneur to keep learning, to, to keep growing? You know, because um, it's, it's like that old saying like this, you know, I think being an entrepreneur is a mountain without no, with no top. Like it's a constant growth um, trajectory so why why is learning and being the best version of yourself as an entrepreneur why is that important to you well uh, there's there's a couple different things in that so i'll try to unpack it i mean the first thing is like disrupt or be disrupted so Mm -hmm. the way you've always done things is the surest way to to die right it's the surest way to die as a company um so making sure that you're always evolving you're always questioning yourself. You're always trying to evolve in the marketplace, right? Like, technically, the taxi company should have won against Uber. They should have won, but they didn't evolve. They didn't learn, hmm. right? They are. They had all the cars. They had all the patents. They legally were, were keeping people out, uh, keeping Uber out of certain places. And they were first to market. Like, in startups, that's a thing, first to market. Taxi mm. companies were first to market. They already had people knew what taxis were. Now you don't call a taxi, you call an Uber. Right. Literally <laughs> complete mind shift. And this only happened in like three or four years. You know, in three or four years, all of a sudden we don't we don't call taxis anymore. Oh, taxi, I don't want that. Right? Right. But taxis had the advantage. They were first to market. They were the first people there. They had all the licenses, all the permits, all the drivers. And what? They didn't learn. When Uber came out, instead of trying to compete with them and create an app, they spent years trying to fight them. Instead of upgrading their cars so that the taxi cars were nicer, they kept the same shitty cars that smell and fuck them. You know, <laughs> they didn't learn. So, right. so in business, it's like disrupt or be disrupted. As an individual, the thing that I like to say is learn how to unlearn. So many people, they learn one thing, they learn one way to do things and it works and then they hold on to it, myself included. You hold on to it. Oh, I was in my space like this. And a lot of people don't know this. Drake got started on MySpace. Right. The MySpace influencer. And uh, Nicki Minaj too. Yeah. But they they crossed over. As soon as they saw that this is okay, they crossed over. And then there's yeah. other people like uh, like Dan Cook, that comedian guy, that he took too long to cross over. Mm. Right? So it's like you have to be able to unlearn things. Don't right. hold on to things just because they used to work. Right? right? Be able to evolve. Be able to go to the next level. That's what's something that I know you're you're a big fan of Gary Vee. He always say that. So he talks about um, uh, 
the was the blockbuster syndrome and how they refuse to go digitally and which really hurt them and when netflix came out it really you know debacled their company because they refused to go digital and also seeing um um uh barnes and nobles at the same way like they they didn't when when kindle came out it really hurt their business and they had to come out with the kindle fire you know so um it's really important to innovate and like so especially as me as a coach how like well i guess for you to like talk about like going digitally as an individual like somebody like me like why is it important because i see coaches are not doing that and other coaches to me are like saying oh i really love what you do i'm just not i don't think that's what's um, in my forte but because that's why you're in puerto rico bringing that digital market to that 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 country so why is it important to keep evolving, keep learning, keep stretching yourself as a company? Or so, well, somebody like me, who is just starting out, why is it important to bring that digital platform to me as a business or entrepreneur? Yeah, so I, I like to call this having having a global mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the digital economy, I mean, the digital economy changes a lot of things. Like previously, if you bought a piece of real estate, like let's say you bought a store in Cleveland, Ohio, that store could never do any more business than the amount of people that walk past it in Cleveland, Ohio. And it doesn't matter if you put new floors in and you put a really nice sign that like lights up and that that storefront will be limited. Mm -hmm. Now you can buy a 99 cent domain name and the more people than who walk past in Times Square, that 99 cent piece of real estate can turn into Times Square because of the amount of people that walk through it. So the digital economy, it's really about having a global mindset and uh, realizing that you're competing on a global market. Mm. It's the same thing with Uber. When you hit a new city, Uber is actually available all over the world. And because they, they started their company with a global mindset, they didn't say, um, you know, okay, we're only going to operate in New York. We're only going to operate here. They did do that in the beginning, but they dominated market by market until they were able to take over the whole world. And and they're a very physical company. With something like coaching and consulting, you can scale that all around the world. Instead of only having your customers in New York City, right? you can have your customers come from all over the world. And I'll give you an example. Early, early on in my entrepreneurial journey, um, when I was like 16, I started selling mixtapes. Right. So I was selling mixtapes and I would like go to the bodega and sell them to the store so they could sell them. And then I would sell them in the high school, whatever. And maybe I made like $50 a week. Right. Then I started selling them online. The first week of posting them online on eBay and Amazon, I started making $3,000 a day. What? $3,000 a day. And why is that? Because I wasn't only selling them in my one little city. I was selling them globally. People in wow. France and Germany and Australia and Japan and New York and Chicago and LA and the people in the whole world were able to take part in that. So my little humble mixtape wow. lemonade, right? Now I'm not selling lemonade in my one little city. I'm selling lemonade to the whole world. So you wow. have to have a global mindset. So what are some of the common mistakes you see entrepreneurs make all the time and you wish <laughs> you could just like just drop some like diamonds, as you would say, uh, unto them to like get them into action? I mean, it's going to sound cliche, but like do what you love, right? Like so many entrepreneurs are just, just, just focused on money. And the thing is, like 
entrepreneurship is not all Ferraris and uh, Lambos. Like there are times where it sucks. So if you want to create something uh, that you're gonna, that's gonna last a long time, you need to be doing something that you love, right? right. <laughs> and, and letting the money, they say like money doesn't lead, it follows, right? So let the money follow you. Don't go chasing the money. Money's like a cat. So a lot of people, they start a business and it's like, what business can I start that would make money? When the real question should be, what do I love to do? And now how can I monetize and make money around it? Right. And, and, you know, I could tell you all the, the woo woo, uh, you know, uh, types of reasons why that makes sense. But here's a real practical one. The things that you love, you're a subject matter expert in. Mm, you yeah. love video games. You've been following video games for freaking 30 years, 20 years, right? Your whole life. Right. So you're a subject matter expert, which means you going into the business as a professional already, you're already going to know the ins, the outs, the trends, because you already love it because on your free time, that's what you consume. Right. So figuring out what is it, what would you do if you were, um, what would you do if you were not getting paid to do it? And then figure out how do you get paid to do that? And how do you build a business around that? Right. And what are some of the things, like, because I, for me, as I think maybe because I'm learning from you a lot, um, and as a coach too, I, I see those things on, especially on Instagram, this, say Instagram, for instance, that you see entrepreneurs make, how, what common mistakes do you see? Because I, you know, for me, especially there's a, a woman who I was coaching a little bit for free um just because i saw her potential and i was like hey listen you know one of the mistakes that you're making is one you're not hashtagging <laughs> enough especially this woman she um you know she's first of all she's this photographer and her work was just beautiful it was not posting or sharing this at all this wedding photography <laughs> and you take it a picture <laughs> i know you're going <laughs> and um you know, she wasn't, and um, she wasn't sharing her beautiful work. This is something that she's proud of, and she wasn't hashtagging it. And so, you know, what are some of the common mistakes you see entrepreneurs doing online when they're trying to digitally market themselves? Um, oh man, that's a whole other podcast. Well. <laughs> no, um, mistakes, mistakes. Um, here's a big one. Here's the biggest one not getting your followers off of social media right so so many people they build these online brands that you know they're on facebook they're on instagram they're wherever they're on youtube you have to give people an opportunity to get off of those platforms i mean we saw like um instagram and facebook crash the other day and it was down right. for like 12 hours dude if your whole business is on on facebook and instagram you don't have a business anymore right so collecting people's phone numbers collecting their email addresses mm -hmm. and being able to connect with and communicate with them off of social media. Yes. Social media is a great place for discovery. It's a great place to continue the conversation with existing customers who know you, but making sure that you have an email strategy and in today's day and age, a text message and SMS strategy to continue to communicate with your customers, even when they're off social media. You know, I, I say this all the time. It's a joke, but, it, but it's true. I don't want followers. I want credit card numbers. That's the number I care about. I want the credit card numbers of the people, not like the likes or whatever, right? So figure out what is that. 
um you know how do you entice people is it creating an ebook is it creating a webinar is mm. it um you know creating a live stream whatever that is what is the call to action to get them off of social media and start building a database start building a customer database you can start with mailchimp or some free service and and scale up from there mailchimp uh lets you go up to 2000 subscribers uh there's also another service that i recommend called tiny letter which lets you go up to 5000 mm. so if you can't monetize a, a, uh, up to 5,000 uh, users, uh, you're doing something wrong. Wow. Um, one more question. So what fears do you yourself still come up against and how, you, how, do, you, how do you push past, you know, those disempowering voices in your head and, and stuff like that? Um... Yeah, I mean, I definitely have uh, all the same fears that everyone else does. People think that I'm confident, but... Uh, <laughs> you are. <laughs> I just don't care. I mean, I, I was... When I was young, I did acting and performance. So I got used to going for it. Like, I had no choice, but, like, to go for it, even if I was nervous. So I, I think the difference between me and other people is other people let their fear stop them, and I don't. I still have the same fears as everyone else. I'm self-conscious on social media. I care about the likes. Uh, <laughs> all, all, all the same things that I tell people not to do, I, they bother me as well, but the difference is I just don't let them stop me. Right? And, and I think that's if I had to give one piece of advice to your audience, it's don't let the fears stop you you know fear is a is a made-up emotion it's um it's part of your old biology when you we were living in the jungle we were like fighting for food and Mm. all this stuff and and fear just by nature is to prevent you from bodily harm or death so any situation that you experience where you're not in bodily harm and there's no risk of death that fear is a uh, mistrigger so anytime that you have fear as an emotion, fear of asking a girl out, fear of talking to your spouse, fear of asking for a raise or a promotion, fear of starting a business, fear of your business failing, all that's made up. And if I had to leave it at one, uh, one last point, um, both Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos have said this, no one remembers your failures. They only remember your wins. So mm. don't be scared to fail. Failure is the is the number one indicator that you're actually trying and you're actually doing something innovative right that you're pushing yourself to the limit right you don't want to fail go to mcdonald's it's a very easy job you flip the burger you wait five minutes you flip the burger again that's there's no failure there it's the failure comes when you're trying new things when you're pushing yourself to the limit so if you're not having some sort of failure in your business chances are you're not taking enough risks um high risk equals high reward so the biggest thing that that I could probably leave you leave you with is you know number one that that fear is a lie, and number <laughs> two no one's gonna remember your failures anyway they only remember the wins right and coaching I call it lean into the discomfort lean into the failure because that's and look at view your failures as an opportunity for growth and that's what I've learned so much um, so wrapping up here so I just have a couple of questions I'm gonna fire to you and see what comes up for you sure. so what does a life of love mean to you a life of love I mean <laughs> I want someone I want someone who could be my rock right someone who 
we're playing on the same team, right? Mm. Like I want someone who we're playing on the same team where we're not keeping score. The score that we're keeping is the same scoreboard. Um, mm. So that's that's what a life of love means to me. Okay. And I stole this one from you. How do you disrupt yourself? How do you disrupt your patterns? Ooh. Um, I would say, like, don't be scared to try new things, right? Um, don't be scared to look bad in front of other people, right? Like, um, and and don't get too caught up on other people's opinions of you. Mm. Right? Like, the, the biggest thing, I, I have... Um, a woman who's who's uh, in the disrupt community, and she had a picture at the beach at one of our disrupt events, which are held in Puerto Rico. And she's like, "Oh, should I post it? Oh, I don't know." Like, and what I kept asking her is, "Okay, whose opinion are you worried about? Do you like the photo? <laughs> yes, I love it. So whose opinion are we worried about here? Right? Um, so yeah, I, I, I would say you know the thing that holds people back from disrupting themselves." is like usually fear of someone else's opinion um and I, you know if i had to leave it on the third point is just like going after what you really want like um and being willing to give up what you've always had for what you really want so many people are so comfortable with what they have that they don't want to give that up to chase what they want i was very comfortable before i moved to puerto rico I had a stable job, semi-stable. It was a startup, but still, I got paid. It was it was guaranteed, right? I was a partner at the company, but I had a guaranteed uh, income. Hmm. I had a beautiful penthouse in Newark. You guys have been to my penthouse in Newark. It was it was dope. <laughs> I had 70, 70-inch screen on the uh, smart TV. Had freaking all brand new furniture. I had just furnished the place not that long ago, right? I was very, very comfortable with it easy decision would have been for me to stay my ass in Newark and kept doing what I was doing, right? But every single time in my life when I've had an easy decision or a hard decision, I choose the hard decision. I go after what I want, even if it means jeopardizing and losing what I already have. So that's how mm. I disrupt myself. Mm. And last question, what was the one piece of advice that another entrepreneur gave you that you hold dear to you that keeps you going? Um, something that keeps me going. Uh, well, Gerard Adams told me to be more vulnerable and I've, I've held on to that. That's that's definitely huge. Um, but I, I wouldn't say that keeps me going. Um, <laughs> the one thing that keeps me going, honestly, is the 99 cent the no, I'm not 99 percent uh rule that I that I always remind myself so like uh whether it's Oprah whether it's Gandhi whether it's anyone that you look up to you have 99 percent the same DNA it's even more it's like 99 mm. so anytime that I doubt myself anytime that I'm questioning myself that I'm thinking I'm not good enough I have to constantly remind myself that no if he can do it. I can do it. I have 99% the same DNA. I have the same human potential. And just really being present that, you know, if Gandhi could take responsibility for 3.5 billion people, I could take responsibility for 3 million people in Puerto Rico. <laughs> in Puerto Rico. <laughs> well, I learned so much about you and I'm so grateful to have this moment with you. 
on this podcast and just really getting into your world and see who you are, what you're about and where you come from. It's just so inspiring. And you just are such a contribution, not only to me, but to so many entrepreneurs out there that really are out to impact the world. And the world is a better place because of people like you in it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I mean, I mean, again, like people need to not be scared to take risks. Like life is made up and you're the author. You can create the life that you want. Right. And, you know, it might suck for a little while, but you have that potential. You know, I was talking earlier, like I left a, a cushy job and like a beautiful condo. And then I moved to Puerto Rico and I lived in a one room shack for the first month. It's literally a one room shack in, in the middle of the summer with no ventilation, <laughs> hot. <laughs> little, little, uh, uh, half a window. Right. And now it, it has been less than a year. And now I'm in a condo that's way nicer than the, than the first one. Right. The, the wow. one that I left, but I had to be willing to risk it. And, you know, I'll give you one more quote. Um, and that's what's helped me move down here to Puerto Rico. And this quote has been said by tons of people, but the person that, told it to me in person when it made an impact was uh nick spanos he's the founder of the bitcoin center and uh he's basically like one of the godfathers of bitcoin mm -hmm. and we were interviewing him on the disrupt podcast and he said burn the ships you have to be willing to um basically the burn the ship story is there was a, a war going on and the general had ships and they were at the, and they were fighting the war and then he burnt the ships so that while they're fighting, they look back and the, there's no going back now because he burned the ships and he did that on purpose so that his soldiers would know there's no turning back. Either you win the war, or you die. Mm. So wow. putting yourself in those positions where you burn the ships, you quit the job. You quit the job. And <laughs> I wouldn't say like quit the job so much that you can't go back. I, right. I try not to burn bridges. But, but the point is... You know, I got rid of my, my condo. In the beginning, I tried to keep a place in Jersey. And then I was like, nah, I have to burn the ships. So I got rid of the place. There was no home. I couldn't go back to New York or New Jersey. There's no home there anymore. And I got on a plane and I put all my worldly possessions either in storage. I gave stuff away, gave a bunch of stuff away, fit everything I could into two suitcases. And I came to Puerto Rico and that was it. The ships were burned. Okay, I'm here in Puerto Rico. Let's figure this fuck out, you know? And... And that put me in the position to network with the top people. I've had meetings with the governor, meetings with mayors. Uh, I'm uh, connected to all the top influencers here, but I was forced to because I took a one-way ticket, you know? So people need to be willing to get out of their comfort zone, burn the ships, give up whatever it is that you've had that keeps you comfortable so that you can go after what you really want. Wow. And so finally, where can people find you online? So on social media, you could look me up. Uh, AnthonyDelgado.me is my like little personal website. It hasn't been updated in a, in a while. Uh, you can look us up on iTunes. The name of our podcast is The Disrupt Podcast with Anthony Delgado. Um, hit me up on Instagram, Anthony.Disrupt. Uh, or you can follow our um, company at Disrupt Week on Instagram. And you can also hit us up at DisruptWeek.com. Yep. And I really thank you again for being here. And that is Anthony Delgado. <laughs> thank you, Jimmy. I appreciate you. I appreciate you too. Hey guys, are you ready to call in your one? 
Are you ready to become wildly magnetic to the partner that you deserve and start creating that crazy, juicy love? Well, I am offering a discount package when you listen to this podcast. So when you listen to this podcast, you follow me on Instagram, you DM me and say, you listen to this podcast, and I will offer you a discount on a seven-week session. Crazy, juicy love.